Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have David Thompson. Uh, David spent over 20 years in high-tech management positions at Dell, AT&T, and managed a $2.5 billion investment portfolio at Lucent Technologies while also raising $1 billion for acquisitions. Uh, Just over three years ago, (laughs) David left the corporate world and started Thompson Investing, which offers the investors the opportunity to invest in apartment communities, mobile home parks, and self-storage complexes. Uh, David recently has surpassed $110 million in investor capital invested in 30-plus syndication deals and uh, once raised $4 million in 48 hours, um, (laughs) which is a story all to its own, I would imagine. (laughs) But uh, thanks so much for being on the show today, David. Charles, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have someone with your expertise in investing in so many different asset classes because normally you'll get someone that specializes Mm -hmm. in just one of them. And um, I briefly touched on your professional background, but can you explain a little bit more previous to your corporate career uh, before you launched? Sure. <clears throat> right. I mean, out of graduate school, I went into the uh, the corporate world and uh, worked uh, in a variety of uh, management roles in, in high tech and landed uh, you know across the country from Los Angeles, New Jersey, North Carolina, came back down here in 97 in Austin and uh, it felt real comfortable, like an old shoe. Uh, I liked the environment, the weather and things. I was from Phoenix, so I enjoyed being back south. Uh, and raised a family here. Uh, we got here in 97, so about up to about 2015 and worked for Dell down here as my last job. And then uh, uh, as, the, as the kids got a little older, uh, one went uh, just recently graduated from UT and one's a senior in high school. They, they were a lot more independent, <laughs> didn't need me as much. Uh, and I was getting a little bit uh, restless. Uh, I had invested in some single family homes here in Austin. It ended up being a really good market here. And was starting to do some research on, uh, you know, how I could leave the corporate job. <laughs> how do I do that with passive income? And syndication just, it just was a way to accelerate uh, that, uh, that path. And, uh, you know, the problem with single family and maybe some, you know, small multifamily under four units is that you have to have a W-2. And that was something I was trying to move away from after having a, you know, a, a fun career, but, you know, ready to try something different, entrepreneurial role. Uh, and like a lot of people bit, got bit by the bug of, of the passive investment mantra and, and uh, managing your own uh, destiny. And um, so I just kind of got into that and got with the right people, amped it up. And we can talk a little bit more about that ride as we, as we go on. Nice. Now, it's, um, your firm focuses on a few different asset classes that I touched on, the mobile mm-hmm. homes, apartments, and self-storage complexes. Mm-hmm. What is unique between one to the other in the sense of when we're talking with reward returns versus risk? Um, yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, I like all three. Uh, from a standpoint of, of if history would show that all three of those niches and the reason why we're in them is because later in a cycle, especially they do well, they do well in downturns. They tend to hold up very well. Uh, and specifically I would say value add approaches, which is where we're actually going and buying older properties, uh, that aren't as expensive typically than a brand new with uh, property. Um, so you're getting a little bit of a buffer there and then you, 
have an opportunity to renovate and um, streamline operations to increase value. So the, I like the I like the niches because there's an opportunity to do something with the property. They tend to hold up well in downturns. Um, apartments and, and mobile home parks, people have to live somewhere. Mm-hmm. Self storage, we buy a lot of stuff in up markets. Uh, we tend not to get rid of stuff. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of a nation of orders. Uh, and we forget about stuff in storage, like a gym locker. You know, you may have it for three years and you forget, maybe this $100 payment is starting to bother me or why do I have this stuff? But after three years, we made our money, right? So <laughs> that's good. Um, but we've, we've had, if you look at the history of performance, Charles, um, the over the last 25 years, uh, and this is coming from the National Association of Real Estate, REITs uh, published this data every year, um, apartment self-storage and mobile home communities have 2X'd the S&P 500 Mm. in returns. And I would say a large reason why that is, is if you look at the years between 2007, 2009, Mm. the stock market was down 22%. Uh, Manufactured home parks actually did not lose money. They were up like a half percent. Uh, Self-storage only lost three and a half percent apartments 6%. So if you look at the data, it's like, wow, over 25 years, they've outperformed the stock market and they have less, they're less volatile. Uh, so that caught my attention a few years back and, and hence I'm, 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 I make this as kind of my core focus <laughs> of our, for, for my investments and also my investors. Yeah. So even with self-storage, it's that recession resistant, huh? I mean, only went down uh, just a few percent. I mean, I imagine if it's being billed to your credit card every month and it's 50 bucks, <laughs> it's probably not, or whatever, 50, hundred bucks. It's, it's probably yeah. not a huge issue for someone compared to, um, other, other parts of the economy that rely on, you know, like cars where it's going to be, right. it's not a $50 car payment. So. That's right. I think that's <laughs> a key point you make. I think the fact that, um, you know, if, if, if you thought that we raised the rents and it started to be like, say it's 95 and it goes to a hundred, and you keep doing that for two or three years and, and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. That's that gym membership payment you kind of forget yeah. about. But then you, you, you maybe wake up one day and you say, mm, yeah, after a year or two, you're like, it's kind of going up a little bit more than I'd like, or maybe it's starting to bother me, but do you really want to go rent a truck on your weekend and go try to move it and try to save five bucks a month somewhere else? Yeah. Most people just say, heck with it. I, I don't do that. So even though you can competitive shop, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a sticky Sticky yeah. asset. Yeah. yeah the, the, the other thing I've heard from other operators before is just they, then they go in and they figure out if they're going to build or not. And it's like, they take the population. I think it's like eight square feet of storage yeah. per person. Seven, yeah. Seven. Yeah. Okay. Seven. And uh, that's why I like about that space. Yeah. Um, it's got a very objective way of determining supply mm-hmm. and demand. They go one, mm-hmm. three and five miles. It's called a feasibility study. Um, the, the biggest downside to self storage is oversupply. So if you get in a situation where you're in a, an investment and then a competitor puts a store across the street, it's not like this, it's going to kill the deal, but you may be, uh, the first couple of years may be a little lean for you, right? And then as the demand eventually catches up, but that's what I like right. about it. There's some objectable data out there. Yeah, that's awesome. The, um, now, as you focus by or you, you specialize by niche and then also by geography, and then you partner with a number of different, uh, several different operators as well. So when an investor works with you, you can spread them over all three different uh, ways of uh, kind of spreading out right. their money. Right. That's, that's a benefit. Uh, you know, I, I, have a, I have a degree in financial planning, so I always had this hat on a diversification. And when I first got in the business, I, one of my one of my goals with investors or with myself was, listen, I'm going to work with an experienced partner. 
right? I and mean, this is not going to be Dave Thompson raising capital and talking to investors and going to find his own deals and, you know, hoping something's working. I'm like, uh, you know, my advice to people today is, you know, go find someone that's doing what you want to be doing and, you know, work for free, whatever you got to do, learn. So I just started doing that and I worked, uh, uh, and I got to a point where all the deals were in a Dallas, they're all apartments and I liked them, but I was like, my investors would keep coming back and say, what else do you got? And I was like, well, then I started my research, Charles. I'm like, well, you know, I like self storage, I like mobile home parks. And so I, I started finding other partners that also had a lot of experience in those niches. And, you know, I, I co-sponsor with them on the GP side. I, I get involved pretty detailed in some of their, you know, the vetting process and their underwriting and everything and make suggestions. Um, and then at the end of the day, I'm, you know, I'm bringing my investors uh, and their capital to the deal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I monitor that. But what I think our investors love is that we, we're kind of a one-stop shop. You, you don't have to go directly to all these different operators and have all these different experiences. We can kind of work directly with you. And we're part of the operating team. And we have these different opportunities to share with you and help you diversify uh, along different operators and different geographies and different niches was really what our mantra is. Yeah. Now you must get so many opportunities that come over your desk that um, how do you utilize and choose opportunities to bring to your investor base? So is it, mm -hmm. you do your own stress testing? I imagine you do your own final underwriting with, an, mm -hmm. with your team. Yeah. Uh, on my website, uh, that just actually came out of a meetup group. One person asked me one time, well, you know, this is great, but how do you vet sponsors? I'm like, that's, that's a great blog. I'll go write a blog on that. And it ended up being a special report with like 10 tips on what I do when I vet a sponsor. It's everything from reviewing track records to, uh, you know, researching everything that they've done on Google on these, you know, these people, cause it's mostly an integrity, high integrity trust mm -hmm. business. Uh, so I want to know who I'm dealing with. I will tell you, I don't do any transactional deals. So, uh, the partners I work with today were carefully selected. Uh, they're, they're peer reviewed. Um, and I walk every deal with them and I, I don't have to do the deals with them. So I still have that vetting process that my investors appreciate. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm selecting long-term partners. They tend to not change their criteria. They tend to focus on the same markets. Uh, I like their singularity of focus. Um, I'll give you one story that would turn me off. So I, was interested in this multifamily operator out of uh, that they, they were in Dallas based, but they were focused on Charlotte and Southeast. And that was a geographic area. I didn't have a lot of coverage on. Um, they'd done a, a few exits. They were kind of in this trajectory period where I could get a lot of their attention. Uh, I drove up there three hours drive from Austin. We spent a nice lunch together. I said, this could really work on the way back. They send me a, a note the next day and say, Hey Dave, what do you think about a hotels? <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and then two weeks later I got a hotel deal in San Antonio. I'm like, you know, different geography, uh, different, uh, uh niche. And I'm like, I, it just totally turned me off. So, uh, you know, to my investors and stuff, I'm like, I'm very careful about what niche I go into. I mean, these were niches were carefully researched. I went into multifamily first, then self storage and I added mobile home parks, but I was blogging and I was communicating with my investors far in advance before we ever chose a partner. Mm -hmm. And before we ever actually did our first deal. So the last thing my investors want to know is, you know, Dave woke up one day with this idea, <laughs> saw a deal, saw a guy or a person and, and, and just got it, you know, fell in love with it. Now for my personal investments, I may take a few, uh, I don't want to call them flyers. I may take a, a very calculated um, investment in a small amount with an operator on a deal in a, in a niche just to learn about it because I don't learn anything unless I'm involved with it, but in a small scale. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would be a good way, I think, for investors, too, to test something out. Be prudent. If you're really, you know, you've got to feel pretty comfortable, but don't go in big with somebody until you get a chance to learn how they operate, how they communicate with you. 
Um, because I would say, Charles, as much as we talk about the success of a project, you know, and how it's supposed to roll out, it's how people communicate with you, yeah. you know, keep you involved. It's very true. Um, I was at a real estate conference uh, a couple months back and people are like, how many emails, how, well, how many people here are on an email of a syndicator? Mm -hmm. Everybody raised their hand. How many people are in a deal where they, as an LP, where they wish they had better, uh, they had better uh, conversation, they had better, yeah, yeah communication. Yeah. And, you I know, mean, so many people raise their hand, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's just mm -hmm. amazing that this, uh, just the updates of how it is. And the other thing too, which is great about what you said about going in as like a limited partner or so and investing mm -hmm. with them first, I guess is how you're explaining it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Cause then you have the reports, you know what a quarterly report looks like, you know sure. what a monthly report looks like. Right. And then you can, whatever, if you want to block out the information, you can show it to your investors and say, this is how it is. And the other thing too is we co-sponsored a deal a couple months ago and walking the deal while, well, cause if you're bringing investors, right. And we were bringing investors and you could say, Hey, we walked every one of these units. You know, we right. walked all the units. We know exactly what this is like, how they're explaining it is true. You know, in our, in our OM. And this is kind of what we see. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, mm -hmm. you actually, it's not just, Hey, I got some pictures and I saw it on Google Maps. <laughs> yeah. No, it's key. It really is key. And, and I make it a point to get to the property with the operator and, and typically the property managers there that may stay or may not, but you get the full story, review the competition. Who are the key competitors? You yeah. walk, you know, the rock, the sub market. That's key. The other thing I get asked a lot, do I invest in every deal? And absolutely. I mean, mm. I can't imagine sharing a deal with somebody and not investing. In yeah. it. I just can't imagine that. Um, but you know, it doesn't have to be huge because we do so many deals. Um, but but just knowing that you're aligned with your investor yeah. uh, is really critical. Yeah. Well, right now there's a lot of that going on where they're not investing alongside and yeah. the alignment yeah. of interest and we're just, you have people just making money just on fees Yeah. and yeah. stuff's being refinanced and stuff's being sold. That's maybe not the best point um, mm -hmm. just so that it can generate fees for the general partners. Sure. Sure. Um, so what are the, what would be the main thing when you're, if you were investing as an LP with them, obviously the focus on a niche, um, or if you were talking to someone to invest as an LP, it'd be, uh, have a, have a sponsor that focuses on a niche, have a sponsor that's a very, you have an idea of kind of the communication and the reports. Are there any other big points mm -hmm. that of stuff that you would suggest them looking out for? Well, I mean, I, I typically would like to see it focus on a geography, a Metro or two. Um, I, I do have one successful operator kind of, you know, there, there could be in, in five or six markets, but they're an exception in their institutional base and they've got the resources yeah. to do that. But, a typical value syndicator that I work with, it's a small shop. They're, they're niche oriented. They're really good at a certain market. The broker relationships are, you know, those are built over time by closing big deals in the market. Those brokers are in and they're going to get right. you more attention. So uh, I'd like to see kind of a singular focus on, on niche. We talked a little bit about, you know, pick a market or two or, or three that they get to be an expert in and get those broker relationships set up so they get to see deals. Some of them are off market. That, that's important if they can get a couple looks at that. Um, I, I think uh, I'd like to see a copy of their communication. So I would actually ask them, you know, how do you, if you are communicating with your investors, show me past deals. Obviously a track records are good. He doesn't, a lot of people ask me, you know, it's important if they've exited deals. Yeah, it is important, but I, I haven't shied away from doing deals with people who haven't exited yet. Mm -hmm. If I do, if they check the box in lots of different areas, um, 
I certainly want to be doing as much research as I can on their integrity. What are they doing outside of this business? A lot of them that I'm involved with are doing their own podcasts. They're really passionate about the space. Um, they are, uh, they, they had some background in construction. They have background in, in relationships and building relationships. And so, you know, you really kind of got to spend some time with those partners if you can. I know it's sometimes for a passive investor, it's hard. You know, I may be pitting 50,000 a deal. How do I get all this time with people? But they should, um, they should allow you, you should be able to talk to the partner. <laughs> yeah, you should sure. be able to talk directly to them. Now I'm, I'm kind of that voice for my investors. And you know, if someone really wants to talk to the, the lead uh, principal, that that's fine. Well, you could probably make that happen. But you know, I just tell people to be realistic and, and, you know, but, but, but do your own research and, and they, you, you should get fast communications. You should get accurate communications. You should get nothing that should be wishy-washy. If you want to see the underwriting for a deal, you should be able to see the underwriting for the deal. Yeah. I see a sensitivity analysis for a deal. You should be able to see it. There should be nothing that really they don't want to share with you. They may not share with you their financial model on the GP side, how they make their money. That that might be the yeah. only thing, but they should be able to talk to you. Hey, we're kind of compensated this way. It's in the PPM. Mm -hmm. We get some fees and that kind of thing. And uh, I would I like another deal structure. You know, what's the deal structure? 8% prep, 70, 30 is typical. Uh, if you start seeing, you know, things are outside of the norm, then why is that? You know, uh, yeah. are you super experienced or <laughs> are you just trying to, you know, get as much as you can, right? But investing alongside, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure they're investing in a deal. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's funny because I was speaking to someone that was a limited partner a couple weeks ago and they were saying that, um, about four deals they'd looked at and they invested in only two of them and the other two operators would not provide them with the underwriting, which I thought was crazy because mm -hmm. it's, I mean, like you said, you can leave off that tab with the general partner if the, you know, partner splits yeah. and stuff like that. Sure. But you already know if it's 80, 20 or 70, 30, right. you can have an idea of like the yeah. major thing that really affects you. Mm -hmm. But really the 12 tab, I mean, the, the, the whole Excel, they don't even send it over and it's kind of yeah. like, yeah. I mean, you know, cause you go through and if I'm looking at it as a passive investor, I'm going to take away some of the rent increases. Um, maybe just bring them very, bring them down low and, you know, yeah. kind of do just very, do my own mm -hmm. worst case scenario stress test. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that with an OM that just has some beautiful pictures yeah. on it and stuff. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, if you're a sponsor, uh, that doesn't mean, Hey, green light, I show you everything. Um, it's kind of like if you, if you ask, right, I'm synthesizing that most investors are passive investors and they're not, you know, like you and I, who are really into everything about this um, niche or, you know, need to see all the details, they expect me to do that. So yeah. they're coming to me, they, they're busy, they're entrepreneurs or doctors or attorneys, whatever is going on in their life. They have families. Like Dave, the reason I'm going syndication and passive investing, <laughs> I want, you know, I kind of want the investment summary. I want to be able to understand the market, the deal and some basics around it, what the expectations are. But I don't need to see all that. So I, you got to be careful. You don't want to overwhelm people mm -hmm. and send them the whole kitchen sink but you should be prepared to understand if you have a person who's a little bit more um, analytical or who expects that to be able to provide that because I look at it as you're partnering with us, right? You're a partner. Now you're a limited partner. You are, you, you know, you're not sitting on the board of directors and making decisions, and all that, yeah. but you're a limited partner and you're a valuable partner. And I would tell you, Charles, 85% of my investors in every deal are return investors or, you know, I get referrals from return investors. So, 
you know, we want you to be, uh, feel like you're part of this. And that's why I think, you know, monthly communications and, you know, certainly I think anything that you can do to make people feel like they're part of, you know, we want to keep you involved and in understanding what's going on. You don't have to worry about the residents or, you know, <laughs> something breaking on the property, <laughs> but you know, if you want something more detailed, we should be there to provide that for you. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's funny when you say that about, because with, with busier people and I found when dealing with higher net worth individuals, higher income people, they're vetting you and they're vetting your team, the GP mm -hmm. team more mm -hmm. than they are, right. uh, instead of vetting more the deal itself. So right. they're making sure that the people handling the deal are on the up and up and you know, all that kind of stuff is checked other than looking at, Hey, this is 17% IRR versus 19 from something else I got in my email box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's, it's dealing with a bunch of different personality types and you can kind of sum up pretty quick. I usually kind of talk to people about kind of what their background is and, if you're telling me an engineer, I'm, I'm pretty expected to maybe share some more detailed information, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and, and some, some people come in from the marketing perspective, not to, not to uh, stereotype, but some people are just more about the you and, and, you know, get a good feel for you. But I think in the general spectrum, it's, you know, you just kind of, kind of feel out the investor and be prepared to share uh, at the level that they want to be uh, communicated with. Right? Yeah. The, um, so you've raised over $110 million from investors for your 30 plus deals that you've been a uh, part of. And um, your company works a lot with foreign investors. And um, I know you've regularly accept, uh, you know, have investors that come in. How does mm -hmm. do the, do you, the goals for a foreign investor for that come through with Thompson investing differ greatly from maybe a U.S. investor or is it very similar? Whereas asset preservation, and return or? Well, I mean, at a high level, I think they're looking for, you know, global diversification, right? At a high level. And they're looking for, um, you know, tier one countries that, you know, have good transparency of laws and, and protections for property rights. And, um, you know, they, uh, it's interesting. My wife's Chinese and we just naturally had a, a pretty significant Asian base. I think because of that, she's helped me in the business when we started and, um, you know, she's from mainland China and they've had a great real estate run over there. Right. If you, if you have even one property, they might be, you might be a millionaire if you just had one rental property, <laughs> um, if, especially if it's in a big city like Beijing or Shanghai. So, you know, we, we typically, um, get a lot of interest and in people have, uh, seen success and what real estate can do to them. And, and a, a lot of these countries are in stock markets that are very, uh, like emerging markets, they're very uh, volatile. Mm -hmm. And so you get people coming over here. I think, I don't know if it's reduced expectations, but they certainly understand that we're not going to, you know, be having those types of uh, in appreciation increases in our properties, but, um, you know, still very attractive, but they're coming out here for stability and transparency. And I think also to put capital outside of uh, their particular country, just from a, a safety standpoint access. A lot of them have uh, children who are going to college here, Charles. Okay. Um, and so it provides them a way to, you know, the properties that we have, you know, are income producing. And so they want to, they may have the money. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get money here. <laughs> but yeah. If it's here, they want to invest it. And then it wants, they want that property to generate income for uh, family members that might be here that can utilize or, or for themselves in retirement. Some may want to retire here over mm -hmm. uh, when they're done with their careers in some other country. But uh, yeah, we get, uh, we do allow foreign investment into syndication. There's nothing that says you can't do that. Um, there are some specific rules, right? You have to have a, a U.S. bank account. We don't want to be distributing overseas. No. Uh, the U.S. tax authorities want to make sure that, you know, you are, you know, doing your taxes here locally. So, um, 
you know, we advise uh, the, the syndication groups actually have to withhold. Uh, there's a withholding tax. Uh, and so we want to make sure our foreign investors are aware of that. Uh, we do encourage them to kind of look in and seek tax advice and maybe setting up a U.S. LLC. Mm -hmm. If they're going to do a lot of investments with us and then set up a U.S. LLC, uh, have the taxes all taken care of by, you know, a tax company here and, and get that all taken care of for you. But there's just an active, a lot of interest in, in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, everything, every data point I say, that's, that continues. Uh, that, that continues for the foreseeable future, I think. Yeah. yeah, normally when, if we have investors that come in that are abroad, it's usually having the US LLC is something that we've required. We never had anybody do it in their own personal name. Yes, yes. Um, and then also, obviously, you know, they're having the EIN number, all this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but having them with the yep. CPA and having them with a lawyer, we put yep. them together with them yep. and that, that are well-versed with yep. international investors and well-versed yep. with real estate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very specialized, right? Very unique. It's a very so niche. Yeah. Your, yeah. You wouldn't be going to your typical CPA or accountant to ask for advice on that. They might want to ask for a referral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone who no. does that. <laughs> it's not going to be going to H&R yeah. Block to do yeah, it. Yeah, they might need um, to get an I-10 number, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And with the CPAs, I guess they can fast track that. And yeah. um, it's, yeah. so it's, it's all having that. And then also they can speak to their, possibly to their CPA in their home country, which mm -hmm. I, if That's I was- That's important too to note, yeah. right? Because they might have some laws and, and issues uh, on foreign investing outside of their country that they have yeah. to, we have that, right? What would you, would you generate outside of the country? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they want to get yeah. paid on That's everything. That's right. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for a foreign investor or for, well, any kind of passive investor coming in US or foreign, mm -hmm. what common mistakes do you see passive investors if you've, if you've spoken to them before and they something happened with them, what, what are common mistakes you see that they've done? Maybe with their first deal or first deal or a couple of deals. Uh, the common mistakes that when people come to me, well, I mean, I, I definitely see people over concentrated. Like, you know, I was talking to a guy just before this call and he's in three new development apartment deals in Austin. Now Austin's a fantastic market and he's, he feels like he's going to do well. I'm not saying he's not doing well and maybe he researches it and really knows us, but he's with one operator. He's doing three development deals all in Austin. Oh. Uh, that's pretty concentrated. He hasn't done anything else out in real estate outside. So we were talking to him this morning about, you know, um, and I gave a presentation yesterday that he listened to down in Austin to a multifamily mm -hmm. media group on a book that I have called Riches and Niches, which talks about why I like the three niches and you know some of this, the, the data that we were sharing earlier. So it was like a perfect lead. And he's like, I gave, I gave my book away for free, which is always a good thing to do. Give it everything away for free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe something sticks with somebody, but you know, it really resonated well with him. And he said, you know, I really feel like I, 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 I love apartments, but I like storage now. And I, I've always been thinking about these things. So um, I, I think most people who get involved with the real estate, typically it's local. And it might be accidental landlord. It might be, you know, getting a rental property or two. Um, one thing is they're just not, they're just not aware of the different things they could be doing and they try to do it themselves. Uh, and I, I encourage people that you can still have an active gene in you. You can still do some flipping. You can still do some yeah. <laughs> you know, single family buy and holds in your local market. But when you start talking about different geographies, which you should be thinking about, because if your local economy sours and you got some assets somewhere else where it's booming, um, and some different niches, but also having experts doing some of this, right? Because uh, that's where I think syndication and uh, either you go all into syndication or you're, you know, you, you still have some active gene, that's fine. But I think people feel like they have to do everything themselves. And 
um, that I think can get you in trouble unless you're an expert and, you know, then you can get over concentrated because I'm only doing this because I know it. That's great. But, you know, is that a job? Like flipping houses is a job. Yeah. Okay. So you got to keep flipping to keep making money. What, what are you doing? You know, you need to be thinking about spreading those assets and making money. And the best thing is just having someone else who's an expert that spends, you know, 24 seven thinking about that market, that niche, those relationships, how to make money, uh, and just, you know, do some more thought around, you know, diversification, I think is the biggest mistake I see. Yeah. Diversification on the business model, which is great because on the development and then they might go into, even if it's apartments again, even if it's still in Austin or somewhere else in Texas mm -hmm. or in the Southeast or say, yeah. but it's also, you're going from construction and development. Now you have something that's already cash flowing. So day one yeah. cash flowing before <laughs> we even implement the business plan, before the yeah. value add even goes into effect, you yeah. have something you're making money, you'll get paid mm -hmm. in three months or monthly, yeah. quarterly, however you do it. Um, what, uh, what books do you recommend for inspiring active passive investors and just learning more about cash flow and real estate? Wow. So, I mean, there's, there's everyone says rich dad, poor dad, that would be good. He's got one called cash flow quadrant quadrant that I liked. And it's just anything that can expose you to, um, you know, leverage and, and, and just, you know, not trying to do everything yourself and, and, uh, how things can cash flow and is important. Um, I'm kind of a, uh, I w there was another, Gary Keller wrote a book, uh, The Millionaire Investor, I think resonated with me, started, got me more thinking about syndication and hmm. not just more houses. It wasn't more houses. A lot of people start, you know, going on just buying more houses and more houses and you realize, wow, I could maybe buy an apartment and, and save the trouble of all the hassle there. So, um, I think that was an exposure to scale. So that book really taught me about scale and started thinking about that. Um, but then you can't forget the little things. Uh, I, I just got done reading this book and I, I brought it over here because I wanted to make sure I had the guy's author's name on it right. And it was called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it says easy and proven ways to build good habits and break bad ones. And, you know, there's so many, uh, if you look at success and, and if you analyze it, it's typically, what do I do every day? <laughs> what am I doing every day to get me to where I need to go? There's certainly there's goals, but, you know, breaking it down. But I really thought this was good because so many habits we don't think about. All of a sudden we're doing something and, and, and someone makes us aware of it. Um, but it was a kind of a clear and concise book on, on how to maybe uh, incrementally improve your life and get you going in the right direction. I mean, uh, you know, three and a half years ago, if you would have told me we would have $110 million assets under management uh, from what I'm doing, listen, I failed uh, coming out of college in a sales and marketing role. Um, I don't feel like I'm in a sales and marketing role. I may be marketing, but I, my marketing is subtle. It's mm -hmm. thought leadership. It's what you're doing, Charles. Yeah. You're providing uh, really good free content to people. And that's what I started. I, my mentor was telling me, start blogging. I, now I'm doing a podcast interview. My biggest investor yeah. came from podcast interview as being interviewed. Nice. Um, people want to see you as a real person. Mm -hmm. Are you genuine? You know, I get that, you know, you maybe know this finance stuff, but you know, who are you as a person? Um, I make it a point on my website. I got a family. I got, you know, two daughters. I got a, a wife. I mean, I'm, I'm involved in the community. I've got things going on. This business is all about relationships and mm -hmm. integrity. Mm -hmm. You should know that as much about me as the investment offerings I have, right? Because I think that says a lot about you as a person and, and what you're doing. So um, in your quest uh, in pursuit, uh, I learned so many things and in a short period of time I want to tell you, but essentially um, just because you're not an expert now or just because you don't know what you don't know, um, you know, keep, keep, a, keep an open book. Mm -hmm. Surround yourself around people who are experts in areas that you think you might like. I knew I liked syndication. I knew I liked investing in commercial real estate. That's it. Then I found, uh, I found a guy, well, Joe Fairless, everybody knows Joe, right? Mm -hmm. 
I ran into Joe on Bigger Pockets and I was looking at the right time in my life to find someone to help me understand apartments better. He had a small mentoring group. It, it, he was just starting it. He only had two apartments in our belt. I ended up taking that, asking him one day how I could help him. And he said, well, uh, you can meet me at the property. I want you to understand the business plan. Help me look at this underwriting and stuff. But uh, can you, uh, we need $8 million. <laughs> Would you be interested in talking to some of your investors? Because, hey, if you start doing your own deals, which is what this mentoring was all about, you know, you're going to need to have this investor network. He says, by the way, those investors you bring to our deal are your investors. I'm like, perfect. They're not our investors. They're, you're part of our team. They're your investors. We won't talk to them. You talk to them. Um, you educate them. And so that was magic to my ears. It wasn't like I was ever selling. And if I ever felt like I was selling something, I was doing it wrong. Listen, I have a good market. I have a good deal. I can explain it to you and I can show you how to get in these deals. We'll monitor for you and we expect it to do well. And, and there, there it is. And if, if you have questions, I'll answer your questions. And if you come to a point where the questions are done, I'm like, great. Are you interested in moving forward? Yes or no. That's fine. If you're not, we'll, you know, we'll put you on our mailing list for future opportunities when the liquidity is there, you're ready to do some. Mm -hmm. If you are great, let's help you get in. We'll monitor it. So it's just, it became a very logical discussion. And what blew me away was when I got out of college, I sold a whole life insurance and disability insurance. <laughs> I had my financial planning degree. Is the only way. It was like going to the dentist for me. I mean, it's important <laughs> stuff to have in your portfolio, but I just, I just wasn't excited about it. And I failed at sales and marketing. Okay. And the point I want to make with your listeners is for 20 years in the high tech world, I avoided those roles. Whether I had talent in that or not, I didn't, I was so, I had such a bad experience on a mental block. Like, but when I actually fell in love with what I was doing and I realized I was just educating, teaching people about a fascinating topic that they knew nothing about. So many people I talked to, I couldn't believe you could invest in a 300 unit apartment or a self storage unit mobile. How do you do that? So I became an educator. So I think the best advice I can give to people is like, I had no clue I would be good at this. Uh, people would say, uh, for what I do and it, how far I've come, it's like, wow, that's incredible. But it's because I surrounded myself with good people. I took on kind of a, this education mindset and sharing thought leadership, which is what you're doing. You know, mm -hmm. we're out there, we're, we're providing information. People come to my website. Great. We take them from there and educate them and show them some ideas. But the business evolves over time because of trust and relationships. And you know, like I said, 85% is recurring. So it's a wonderful business. It's a wonderful way to get into the business. Um, and I've been very blessed and it's very excited about the, the partners I have very great partners. And I guess I've, if I've done anything right, I've selected good partners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> definitely, yeah. It's, it's tapping into that. It's tapping into someone else's business system or system that's already been, it's, yeah. it's already successful. They've got all the different pieces, especially the ones that you don't bring, um, uh -huh. put together and it's already running and you're just kind of adding more value to their group. And it yep. helps everybody. It's a win-win for obviously everybody that's on the general partner side and all the limited partner, all the passive investors as well. Yeah. Anybody involved with the deal. Is yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think one thing I took away too is almost everybody needs capital. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter how successful they are. They want to do bigger deals, more deals, you know. And so, so that, that's a skill set that maybe you can explore. Um, you certainly have to do other roles on the team and be prepared to do that because uh, from a legal perspective, we have to be doing more than just that. Yeah. But I look at this whole thing as it's great because I have to know all that to answer yeah. investor questions anyway. <laughs> right. But it's, all, it's also funny about speaking to people that aren't aware of the whole syndication model because um, it, you'll speak to someone and they say, oh, you know, I bought like a six unit somewhere and it's like in a mm -hmm. D class area or, and they're yeah. not living there. And they're like, oh yes, one of my 
you know, golf buddies told me about this or, Hey, I bought a duplex and well, you, you know, there's, that's, you know, it's great for learning, but it's, you're not going to be able to scale that business, especially with having a 40, 50, 60 hour uh, a week. Uh, yeah. I mean, anything four units or under, we started going that direction. My wife and I did and, and, and quickly realized that it, it, it sounds like you can get a little more cash flow per door, but uh, it's still, I needed my W2. I still needed to deal with uh, all the administrative stuff around that. And, and, and at 2015, I stopped buying single family homes in Austin, Texas, realizing I was cash flowing better in passive investments. I'm like, I can do better and I'm not having to manage any of that stuff. And then it right. dawned on me like, if Dave Thompson's not buying single family homes and, and Austin has been a great market, he stopped. Well, then, then maybe, and he's doing the syndication, but what's he doing with his own money? I'm like, I'm not buying any more single family homes. I'm not doing any more active stuff. I, I'm holding them because I think uh, the long term, it's a great market here. Um, and it's manageable. My wife's managing them. <laughs> She's more patient. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think uh, that, that says something. So what are the experts yeah. doing? Follow the experts. Are they, you know, are they, are they investing in their own deals? Are they, are they doing what, uh, with their money that they're telling you that they think is a good buy strategy for you? <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. So, well, great, David. So how can people learn more about uh, yourself and Thompson investing? Yeah. So you can go to my website, uh, thompsoninvesting.com. It's all one word, T-A. H O M P S O N investing.com. I have a lot of uh, articles there. We've got some podcast stuff going on there. We've got two books you can download for free. One's on raising capital and one's called riches and niches, which if you're an investor, I think it's awesome. It's a, it's a book that kind of gives you a high level view of the three niches that, you know, Charles and I talked about today and why we like them. Um, and then my email is David at thompsoninvesting.com. Okay. That sounds great. And I'll put all those links in the bottom oh, of perfect. the email and you can, and you can, or in the bottom of the, the notes and, um, you know, right on the, on the website, you can pull down and they can download all those books by, uh, they can do that. And they can set up a call Perfect. with me. I've got uh, a way to just collect some information from you. And then we can set up a 30 minute call and learn a little bit about you and what you're trying to do. See if we can share some ideas. Okay. That sounds great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show and uh, have a, thanks for having me. Yep. Have a great rest of your day. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Take Bye -bye. care. Hi guys, this is Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in investing in real estate, and you don't know where to begin, set up a free 15-minute strategy call with me at SchedulePcharles.com. That's SchedulePcharles.com. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit GlobalInvestorPodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Harborside Partners Incorporated exclusively.